News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC. I'm Harry Siegel in Brooklyn. Uh, here with Professor Christina Greer in Brooklyn. Oh, well. Katie Onan in Manhattan. Oh, well. Hey. Hey. And Alex Brooklyn uh, in Greenwich Village. Hello. Hello. So there's a lot to uh, talk about as ever, uh, but I think we have to start with uh, Eric Adams' gun violence plan and uh, the circumstances that led to him uh, delivering it now. And uh, the harsh response, I think, it got from other Democrats uh, in Albany and in a bunch of cases in New York City. Uh, this is very early in a new mayor's term to have uh, some sense of uh, crisis and urgency, but we seem to be there. And Adams, in turn, seems to be pushing for some things, including further bail reform reform is in undoing parts of that and adding a dangerousness standard, revisiting raise the age. Um, that there's real resistance to, as well as talking about the iron pipeline and what Washington needs to do that all of us who've seen this play out for decades know Washington is uh, not going to do. So if this was the first moment of crisis for Eric Adams, and his response obviously up until now is uh, is rhetorical, but he's laying out the plans he's going to be held against, um, how'd he do? And, and what's this look like going forward? I'm nervous. I'm nervous because Eric Adams obviously is more moderate and conservative, at least than I am. But I just felt like his rationale for raise the age was nonsense. I the the whole idea of let me try young children in a criminal court so then gang members are deterred from like pushing guns on them. I mean, you can in your journalist conciseness, you guys can sort of articulate that much better than I. But I, I just felt like that was a nod to the kind of PBA folks and using a crisis to sort of push an agenda that he wanted to push possibly in like the latter months, but now he can speed it up. And I just really uh, fear that we can be in like a Giuliani-esque um, governance style pretty soon where it's like in an effort to clean up the city we're just scrapping programs community programs i mean he's talking about community policing but then also he's talking about bringing back straight uh plainclothes police which was something that we worked years to to undo just as a a, a point of arguable differentiation We've had an anti-gun unit under a whole number of different mm -hmm. names, and it's been rebranded and reformed and dissolved like a whole number of times over the years. Adam says what's different about the new anti-gun unit he's going to create that's going to replace the one that got dissolved on Bill de Blasio's watch by Commissioner Dermot Shea in 2020 amid the George Floyd protests is that these guys won't be in Mark cars, but they're going to have some visible identifier that shows their police. So they're not just going to be guys jumping out of a car, you know, screaming at people who they think are carrying guns. Um, he also says that they, they will be well-trained. We don't have much clarity about the training. I'm interested in how much the NYPD had to do with putting together this plan, uh, given how recently, you know, he's, he's come in and, and he's just been putting people in. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. 
What do you mean by well-trained? Okay, fine. We can have identifiers that are other than Nike hat or um, Yankees hats because that's clearly like the NYPD uniform. But like, what do you mean by well-trained? Because clearly the past few decades, we haven't been able to train these police officers, right? And Adams, are you, you said a week and a half ago that you were so concerned about the NYPD that you had to bring in your own brother for your own personal security because ostensibly you had fears about their lack of training and you couldn't really trust them. So I don't understand how overnight we're going to rebrand this, this unit and miraculously the racism and sexism and anti-classism are going to disappear in the NYPD and they're going to just treat folks in particular communities equitably and with respect. Like how's it going to happen? What, like who's doing the training? Is the NYPD doing the training? The, the, The report also, you know, the blueprint, it, lack details of the of cost and, and things like that. He said he doesn't expect the NYPD's budget to increase because he just wants to reallocate resources and money, which he's talked about doing in, in, in every agency, looking for what he calls inefficiencies and rooting out waste. Um, you know, the one element that he mentioned as well, it's not so much in the plan and it's a small part of it, but it is there's a, a bill in the state legislature now to require NYPD officers to live in New York City. Um which the you state know, would have to do. And he is, says his commissioner will provide some new incentive plan, but he hasn't announced it yet. He, he yeah. can't actually make that happen himself again. And I have, I don't know, it, my opinion doesn't matter, but um, it just seems like there are bigger things to do within police reform than forcing somebody to live within the five boroughs. It, it implies, and I say this because don't come after me, people who live out there, including my parents still, I come from a pretty, like a racist part of New York City, but it implies it's a cop can't live in Yonkers, but can live in what breezy point. It's sort of like, it's just because you live within the five boroughs. It's not some utopia. And I understand he says he wants people shopping and spending and living and engaging in the city. But didn't we have an issue a couple months ago where we weren't sure if the mayor lived in New Jersey or not? So I don't know. <laughs> it seems like, yeah. There are much bigger reform issues um, to, to talk but about. But I got to say, I do like that one. I, I like the tax money sort of staying yeah. in there. I understand, listen, there are parts of Brooklyn and Staten Island and Queens that I would never go into at one <laughs> in the afternoon for fear of being lynched or worse. And that's real talk, and it's New York City. But I do like the fact that it's like you get your money from the city and you spend your money in the city by yeah. and large. I do think that we have a disproportionate number of people in the NYPD who look at sort of folks in the five boroughs as others, Mm -hmm. and they don't see them as part of the community. And I understand if you live in certain parts of, let's just say, for argument's sake, Staten Island, but your beat is in the Bronx, and you may not necessarily see these people as like a part of your community. However, I I think that there's something about people who live in a city um, that just is a different mindset ever so slightly. And so the fact that we're sort of, we have a large number who live in, you know, parts of Long Island or whatever it is, doesn't make me feel great that, you know, not only does our taxpayer money pay their salaries and their pensions, but, you know, we're paying out when they do bad deeds and we have to pay millions of dollars for restitution. Um, Let's take it a step further. When you retire, you should be forced to stay in, because I hate, I kind of hate when you have someone who retires at 42 and it's like, getting out of the city, I hate it. They move to Florida, North Carolina or whatever, and they're living high on a pension that New York City pays them for. You know, again, I, I've probably said this before, but I, I hear from a lot of city workers who they have multi-generations of their family have lived off New York City 
jobs. And I view it as you should be like every morning, thank you should be kissing a New York City flag. Like, thank you so much for keeping me and my family and my brother's family and my parents employed. Instead, it's resentment and they hate the city and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think that there is something to practically like feeling the same kind of walls, walking up the same kind of stairs, being faced with the same kind of uh, issues that derive from building code as Mm -hmm. the people you're policing. And so you don't look on them as lesser because there's a roach in their apartment because you live maybe in a a different borough, but you have to interact with the same kind of housing court, the same kind of landlord Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can afford to buy a house so that you know even further how like difficult it is to do um, in the city and not in Long Island and not in Westchester. Staten Island, again, that's a, you know, it's an enclave. But um, uh, I going back real quick, just to the language that Eric Adam used uh, and, and around that, reliance on the ethics of older gangsters uh not putting guns in the hands of 17 year olds it was a it was a really strange to me how he got from a to b to c it was we need to the the language he used we need to protect our children so he's referring to them as children 16 to 18 year olds we need to protect our children by repealing raise the age charging 16 to 18 year olds in criminal court for gun possession and allowing them to possibly go to adult prison or jail. And so he calls them children on the one hand, he wants them to be sentenced like an adult. And somehow he thinks that this will affect the ethical character makeup of the, of like the, the gangsters or criminals Mm -hmm. planting guns on them. New York state, I think just passed a law that like children under 12 can't be tried in my head if i was one of these guys and i didn't really have a lot of scruples and i need to get guns around town then i'm going to put them in the 12 year old like i don't think it's going to matter and all it's going to do is cause that generational trauma to like start again when we have so many protections in place against warehousing people yeah um because warehousing people like didn't work It, it almost got us into the situation that we're in right now. I'm not also not, I've always talked about the, the mentally ill, but I'm not sure why these two issues are conflated. Like in the Mm. same breath, it's gun violence and subway pushing by schizophrenics. And I get how that it's like a rise in violent crime in a fear city. I understand why those are talked about similarly, but they wildly do not have the same solutions kind of at all. And I think, you know, Alvin Bragg is going to face, uh, it it could go either way, but you could really make a case for Alvin Bragg making those diversion courts super robust um, for the mentally ill, for the mm-hmm. chemically dependent, and trying to start building that social infrastructure that de Blasio, during his like sweetheart tenure, just didn't do. Just like, so I would hope that Eric Adams actually spends the money that it takes to train the police, um, to hire uh, hire people who will like force a social infrastructure and, you know, things that are alternatives to warehousing, you know, young people and, and mentally ill. So Ravane Blau had a really good piece in the city. I learned a lot from reading, uh, about how every mayor has talked about doing something. Adams has talked a bunch about, which is getting cops out from behind desks and onto beats and so on and explaining why that never, in fact, ends up happening. 
um, and, and replacing, you know, the people in those desk jobs with, with civilians. Um, you know, the short of it is officers tend to get those positions later in life and through connections, they're protected and the union wants to keep them there. The union also says, by the way, that, that they don't really have any issue with the residency requirement. Uh, you would just have to pay all the cops a ton more given the expense of, of living in New York. And, and of course, I, I think that's going to be a non-starter. Another thing that's been discussed for decades in Albany. Uh, the people in Albany, uh, starting with Andrea Stewart Cousins and Carl Hasty, who have said, uh, you know, that, that, that Adams calls for, for changes to the state law are a non-starter. One of the things that grabs me is if you don't change any of, uh, if you take all of those things off the table that Adams is asking for and is implicitly arguing are related to the increase in crime, violent crime we've had since 2019, the tools that are left for the police are actually pretty limited. Uh, you can rest- you can have more cops going directly after guns, and that means jumping out of cars, not in uniforms, and like going after people you think are holding them. Uh, you can do more stops and more frisks. Uh, it's not clear what the other tools are. And so in an interesting way, as the people in Albany are saying, we can't let judges consider dangerousness because if we give them that discretion, that's going to be used in, 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 in disparate and racist ways over time. Uh, you're, you're almost squeezing the ball and, and handing that discretion to the NYPD. And so as, as the mayor is trying to balance this out and say, we have these root causes and we also have this immediate crisis, right? We've had five police officers shot this month to it and fatally an 11 month old baby girl who was shot, uh, you know, a teenager who was working in a Burger King. Just to bring it home for people. I mean, these are real people getting shot. We have uh, the young police officer, Jason Rivera, who's 22, um, Wilbur Mora, who just died and donated all his organs, um, 27, uh, baby Catherine, who was shot in the face at 11 months old. She just went through brain surgery on oh. Friday, which was also her first birthday. There's also the 19-year-old cashier, Crystal Byron Nieves. Oh, and he needs to do something quickly because on the tabloid front pages, this and the subway shovings and everything else are part of the same narrative, even if they don't have the same root causes, right? The the tools that are available to the mayor to deal with this without any assistance from, from Albany on these fronts are, are, are crude and limited. One other thing he talked about, by the way, was facial recognition and, and using a bunch more of, of, of that, which has some really dystopian implications that, that, that FAQ guest Albert Fox Khan just laid out in a useful daily news piece. And also super racist implications. Yes. Right yeah, yes, Liz yes. O'Sullivan, another FAQ guest, talks a lot about how a lot of the spatial recognition software um, cannot distinguish. You can have mistaken identity. You can, you know, a lot of these, these findings being used in court. You can also, unfortunately, go back to the bad old days of like unchecked databases of non-criminal black and brown people being, you know, uh, built from these facial recognition. So, so, so Adams is, 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 is implicitly saying, I think, as he's talking about balance, if you want me to address root causes and put money into those things and say, I can do this without spending anymore because of, of uh, civilianization or whatever, which is just like when candidates talk about waste, fraud, and abuse, it's just a way of not having to make your numbers add up. Uh, but you don't have to get into any of the details, right? Um, he, he is actually saying, I need to do some of the crackdown stuff now to buy time to do the root cause things. And lawmakers in Albany are saying, we're not interested in that trade-off. Alvin Bragg, who 
Adams has taken pains not to go at directly, even as police police commissioner has. Uh, and as his day one memo has taken all of this heat, a lot of it, I think, pretty absurd. This is literally what Bragg ran on it in a lot of ways. But everyone is, is, is trying to talk about finding some sort of balance. And to get to that balance, you can't have a short-term crisis that's leading the local news, which people still watch, and on the uh, front page of the tabloids every single day. Um, and, 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 and I don't see, I don't see a, a way out of that. And I also think, lastly, it's, it's real trouble for the Democratic Party nationally. Look, Alvin Bragg, they ran like 25 features on Fox News about him over a week, you know? He was on the yeah. cover of the post day after day. They would love to do that to Eric Adams. Like you think you're the face of the uh, Demo- new face of the Democratic Party. You're absolutely right. And look at this urban chaos um, that's happening on your watch. And to make that a theme or even the theme of the of the midterms. And I think this is a trap Adams is aware of. Uh, but I, I don't know how he. uh it's going to be very interesting to see how he handles this in the short term and also with a lot of skepticism from the city council um, where, where they already had big pushback about him restoring solitary confinement under whatever you know ridiculous new name. Um, and they're going to, with, with a lot of what he's proposing now, there's a, 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 a plan that's all root causes from Jumani Williams that a lot of these council members like. The, the mayor is much stronger in that relationship, but he doesn't seem to have that many friends in the Democratic Party. To start with, as he's uh, as he's trying to uh, to write things, at least for right now, I don't think I would love to put a question to the three of you. So this sort of kind of uh, crystallizes a lot of the issues that, that you guys are talking about. So he has gone back to an old plan or this is what he mentioned in the blueprint where police officers and social workers go and interact with the mentally ill. Uh, de Blasio, originally there was an EDP unit in Brooklyn. There was these like. Uh, units of social workers and cops, and it was disbanded, or they complained that they were essentially made impotent by being useless, like not, Mm -hmm. they weren't useless, but they weren't integrated properly. So de Blasio walks away from that, especially during his um, kind of fights with the the police, the brass, the police unions, um, who both mew that they don't want to be medical workers, but also don't want budget taken away from them and started be heard units with between the FDNY EMT and, um, and, and social workers. Now those have had a, a, a certain amount of success and their budget is going to expand in 2022. But now Eric Adams wants to go back to a place where cops and social workers go out on these units. However, it's so quick and it's in such an emergency. Like you're saying, there's always, it always seems like there's this like big bad looming that we have to do these emergency over policey things to kind of stave off until we're ready to actually build some social infrastructure and like help real people. But anyway, so without the, if these units are being like slapdash together and, and out real quick, like, aren't we worried that those units being put together so quickly and things like that aren't going to have the same impact that will actually help the city, but we're going to go back to a model where we just kind of like try to house people and then hope for the best kicking the can down the road five years from now. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I think there's always these, like you said, it's New York city has not seemed to have a consistent, clear plan and these plans can take years to 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 show real dividends. And I think when you get a new mayor coming in and new thoughts and and one horrific incident could perhaps then alter the plan. Um, it's just a lot. And 
yeah, I, I would like to see a long-term plan and investment made into something that could assist people who are in need, um, who could perhaps become dangerous to themselves or others, and then um, just to make improvements. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Alex, at the crux of your question is de Blasio just had real good luck for a long time. And I don't know if he did the subsequent future planning that he could have or should have done. I know last week we talked about, you know, I think Katie mentioned how he dealt with COVID like pretty solidly. Uh, and I agree with that. But I do think that as far as preparation, um, I think that there's certain things that de Blasio could have done in sort of quiet times, peace times, um, to plan for this moment so Eric Adams doesn't kind of walk in with, uh, okay, like, we still haven't figured out Rikers. We still haven't figured out community jails. We still haven't figured out, you know, sort of coordination, I would say more seamless coordination between the DAs and, you know, the city council and the mayor. Um, obviously, de Blasio didn't have a great working relationship with the NYPD in and at a certain point in time, didn't even try. And I'm not talking about the PBA. I'm talking about the NYPD. Um, and so uh, Adams, being a former police officer, obviously has somewhat of a, a, an upper hand and advantage. But we know that because of COVID and because of rising unemployment, uh, we will have rising crime. We've, we're seeing this across cities all across the country. But I, I will put some of this on de Blasio for kind of a lack of... of um, Killing the soil for Adams. Um, and so then, of course, that turns into concerns because I think Adams' natural inclination is have the pendulum swing a little more draconian than I would like. But then again, um, his I think he's trying to have, as I said before, two conversations, short-term conversation and long-term conversation. Because obviously after you have citizens and police officers killed, there's, a, there's an urgency that people want you to have but I do think that he's trying to have a long-term conversation of like, okay, how do we uh, fix this and fix communities and neighborhoods? I just think that his natural inclination is to go hard in the paint first as far as, you know, locking kids up and doing things that I, I disagree with. So closing, closing note for today, and there's lots more uh, clearly we're going to be discussing, is that uh, late last year, the uh, Supreme Court heard about New York's gun licensing laws this fall. It's very likely that the Supreme Court will strike down New York's gun licensing laws. So it's nice that uh, the president called the mayor to offer his uh, thoughts and prayers, literally, uh, about about the tragedy here, uh, the murders here. But this iron pipeline problem that, again, is not a new one, uh, is likely to get a lot worse. And one of the things that's kept New York from being like Chicago, for instance, is simply that we don't have a uh, we don't have a state with, with 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 very easy gun sales next door like Indiana. And that whole dynamic may be about to change. So I am concerned that that that, that you have COVID. And the question of whether or not this rise in violent crime nationwide, not related to like places that had bail reform or raise the age or anything else, uh, whether or not that goes down the same way, or if this is some new baseline or normal, 
And I'm really concerned that, that the baseline of normal may get a lot worse for New York really shortly in ways that I don't know that we're prepared for or what we can do to be prepared. So not, not to end on a, uh, on a sour note, but, uh, yeah, I am, uh, I am, I, I am worried. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly going to have a lot to, uh, a lot to discuss and like trying to uh, make the justice system fair and trying to maintain public safety and the sense of it at the same time is not easy. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that, that we'll keep getting there. We're going to see. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is a production of Racket Media and a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists and Artists. We're headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and recorded this week from the boroughs of Brooklyn and Manhattan. Alex Brooklyn is our executive producer and Adam Kamara mixed and edited this episode. Be well, be safe, and we'll see you next week.